Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. Hi, how's it going? Good. How about you? I am great. I'm great. I'm very excited. I have a special guest on today. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Craig Johnson. I'm the author of the Walt Longmire Mystery Series, the uh, sheriff of the least populated county in the least populated state in America, Walt Longmire. Um, let's see, there are, with, I guess this is the 19th book in the series, and uh, we're the ones responsible for the television show on Netflix called Longmire. Yeah, which is crazy. I love that. So we start off all of our interviews <laughs> with a series of questions. So we'll start with those. And the first question I have is, what is your favorite standalone book? My favorite standalone book, like okay, probably Jeffrey Household's Rogue Mail. Um, like it's a marvelous, marvelous manhunt uh, mystery novel. It's been made into like, oh, know, like maybe three or four different movies. And and uh, none of them have ever in my mind captured like at what made that book, you know, really spectacular. It's, uh, yeah. it's uh, really wonderfully written like that and uh, totally believable book. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> so in contrast to that, what is your favorite series? My favorite series, my favorite book series, boy, there's a bunch of them. Like, at, uh, I mean, Forrester's like at the Horatio Hornblower series, like it, of course, like at, when I was younger, I loved those. Like, at, and then anything by Alexandra Dumont, like that's so all the ones with the three musketeers, you know, but oh, yeah. then, uh, and then I don't know, then you move into uh, mystery novels, like, at, and, and of course, you know, there's Tony Hillerman, who I've always loved, like, I'd enjoyed his work, like that. Um, I, I could I could go on and on and on <laughs> list, but I, I, that'll do for now. <laughs> okay, perfect. I love that. So our next question is, who is your ultimate book boyfriend? So like your favorite male character? My favorite male character? Hmm. Boy. That's a hard one, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Like Doc Ricketts, like at, from Cannery Road, like that, oh. and uh, Sweet Thursday of John Steinbeck. Like at oh, that's episode. a great one. I love that character. <laughs> okay. And then in contrast to that, who is your ultimate book girlfriend? So your favorite female character? Oh my, well, how do you not pick Scout, you know, from, <laughs> from To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah. Like that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I could listen to that voice in my head for the rest of my life. That's very so. fair. That's a good one. I love that. To Kill a Mockingbird is, is a really good classic, I will say. Oh, oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> I mean, people are always asking me until they started unearthing all of these other, you know, older manuscripts of hers or mm -hmm. something like that. People would ask me, they'd say, why did she only write one book? And I'm like, it's because that's all she had to write. When yeah. you write the perfect book, you don't have to go find, you know, you don't have to go and find find another one really yeah. <laughs> it's best you just stop there <laughs> exactly exactly that's perfect i love it okay so can you tell us a little bit about you and how you got started in your writing journey uh well i, I came from a family of storytellers like that you know and so they were all really remarkable storytellers and i was the worst one and so i thought okay well if i can't tell them you know maybe i could try writing them um, so I started off writing like that but you know wanting to be a writer is kind of like wanting to be an astronaut the odds against you are so great don't tell anybody. And then, you know, if, if you have success, if things fall into place, like, then it seems like you were an overnight success mm -hmm. and uh, a miracle happened like that. And here you are as a writer like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And I, you know, that, that's the big thing is, is like, you know, it's okay to want to write, like it's okay to know how to write, but you have mm -hmm. to have something to write about. And so at that point in time, about 20 years ago, like uh, everything in crime fiction was very noir. It was all mm -hmm. you know, dark, gritty, urban, you know, detectives, you know, burying bodies in their backyards and that type of thing like that. And I just thought, 
what if you did the sheriff of the least populated county in the least populated state? That would be something completely different from what everybody else is doing. And so I did like that. And I discovered that voice uh, of mm -hmm. Walt Longmire and that character of Walt Longmire. And uh, things all kind of fell into place at that point in time. I got picked up by a big agent in New York. Like that, I got picked up by Viking Penguin. Um, mm -hmm. They're the ones that set me down and said, you know, I, I wrote the first book, The Cold Dish. Like that, and they picked it up. Like that, and then uh, they said, you know, we, we really think you should think about doing this as a series. Like mm -hmm. that, and so that was a big challenge, of course, like that, because I'd only written one book. I didn't know if I could yeah. even write a second <laughs> book. For goodness sake. And uh, that was you know, 19 years ago, like that. And so here I am like that. And uh, Warner Brothers came, knocked on the door and said, hey, we want to make a TV show, you know, out of your books. And uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, people sometimes ask, they say, well, did you expect, you know, the kind yeah. of success that you've had? And my immediate response to that is no. <laughs> I mean, if I was looking for success in any of those endeavors, maybe I wouldn't have chosen the, the sheriff <laughs> of the least populated county in the least populated state. I would have right. stacked the deck with maybe a little bit more, you know, impetus there. But uh, but yeah, as it turned out, like it's been uh, an amazing, amazing ride like that. And uh, I don't feel like it's anywhere near being finished either. Like that. I, yeah. I, I've got another 20, 30 years in me, hopefully another, hopefully another 20 or 30 books to go. I love that. That's amazing. I remember when I first discovered Longmire series, I was actually living in Buffalo, Wyoming at the time. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. I used to work, I used to work at Paradise Guest Ranch. I don't know. Oh, yeah, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Clay, you know, Clay Miller then. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I was a, I was working as a wrangler up there and they were like, we're doing this thing called Longmire Days. And I was like, I think I've heard of this. Yeah. And, and, you know, my grandpa was a big fan of your books and he, and I, and I was like, I'm pretty sure this is like the one that he was talking about. And they, you know, we didn't have cell service and internet back then at the ranch. So I couldn't like look anything up. And they were like, yeah, these people are coming it's for this book series. You know, it's based in Buffalo and in, you know, this County. And I was like, well, that's crazy. And then they all showed up and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to watch this. So then I binged the whole show. I read the whole series when I got home that summer. And I was like, <laughs> then as soon as Viking emailed, I was like, I will be taking that. In <laughs> yeah. So it was really cool. We got to meet oh, wonderful. People. Yeah. You have like an incredible insight then like that to the locales and the yeah. characters. You probably even know a couple of the people that I base characters off of, for goodness sake. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I always like love, it's like one of my comfort shows as well, because I'm like, when I don't feel like reading or listening to audiobooks, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go watch Longmire because yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm back in that era of my life. Um, so yeah, I was really excited to read this one because I'm, I'm happy that it's back in, in Durant, but what like inspired you to choose this County, choose Wyoming? I know you live there, but was that your big inspiration or, you know, what kind of triggered that? Well, I mean, you know, it's an amazing place. Like, as you well know, like it's, you know, it's, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Like it's an interesting place, but it's also in that little pocket of the world that, you know, maybe is a little bit unknown. Mm -hmm. I was just talking with somebody about the topography of Wyoming earlier this morning like that. And, um, and they were talking about how, you know, everybody's always in such a hurry to get from the Black Hills over to Yellowstone. Yeah. They forget there's another entire mountain range, a kind of forgotten mountain range, the Bighorn Mountains, you mm -hmm. know, right here in northern Wyoming. Like that. And so that was part of it like that. But then also it is extraordinarily handy for me to, you know, wake up in Walt's world, to breathe yeah. the air that Walt's breathing, to go up, you know, and take the same trails 
and the same roads and see the same buildings and everything, you know, it, it's ground. It, it, it keeps the series very well grounded. I mean, the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, that Walt's office is the old Jim Gatchell museum, the old Carnegie library right there yeah. behind the courthouse. I think it's really fun for a lot of the people to come to Longmire days because it's almost like this Frank Capra esque yeah. you know, <laughs> kind of moment where they can look around and they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm in Absaroka County. I'm here mm -hmm. now like that for goodness sake. And so that's kind of fun for me like that, you know, to, to yeah. try and benefit the area a little bit too economically like that. But then, you know, like I said, you know, it just, uh, I'm constantly reminded of Walt, like that I'm constantly, you know, being, you know, bombarded, you know, with ideas, you know, for, you know, future yeah. books, you know, future short stories, future novellas. And, yeah. uh, and that's, that's pretty important, you know, whenever you're like on the 19th, you know, book <laughs> of the series, like that, yeah. I mean, you want to make sure that it stays fresh. You want to make sure that you're doing different, you know, kind of ideas, things mm -hmm. that are you know, different, you know, the things that you've done before. It's kind of important to make sure, you know, don't become formulaic like that yeah. or you know, predictable like that. And uh, because not only is that deadly for your readership, but it's kind of deadly for a writer too. Because if yeah. I get bored, yeah. know, I'm in deep trouble. Like as far right. as concerned, so. Yeah. And I think it keeps it really genuine as well. Cause you can tell that like you are engrossed in the story and you are giving like an accurate description too. And I think that helps people feel like, oh, maybe I should go to Wyoming and see these things without the crime. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, and that's the, the small details. Like, I mean, that's the fun part of doing the research, like it and trying to like, you know, develop, you know, the different mm -hmm. facets, you know, of each story that are going to be different from anything else. And I mean, the Longmire defense is no different than any of that. I mean, we've kind of alluded, you know, to Walt's relationship with his grandfather through mm -hmm. the books like that. And we know that it was a rocky road that, yeah. you know, had a lot of turns in it like that. And so uh, it was interesting to find a storyline that I thought, you know, would, you know, illustrate um, that relationship. Like it, okay. And I kind of had to wait until all the tumblers, you know, kind of fell into place, you know, to be able to write this particular book. But once they finally did, you know, I, I feel really good about it. It's, it was a really yeah. fun book to write. Um, it took me out, you know, of my comfort zone where I'm discussing like, you know, fi state finances. I mean, mm -hmm. who knew what the permanent mineral wealth fund for yeah. Wyoming was, for goodness sake, or that the state of Wyoming had $80 in its bank account in 1968. I mean, right. you're like little, little tidbits of information that are kind of fun to include in a book. And there, of course, there's always somebody when I'm out on a book tour, that will be like, there's no way that the only amount of money that Wyoming had in 1968 was $80. And I'm like, Yes, it is. I don't know if you've been to Wyoming, but I do believe that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes complete sense. So I was going to ask you, did you do any kind of special research for this book? And did you find anything that was like really surprising outside of the $80 one? Um, anything oh, else yeah. that was real surprising? Well, I mean, you know, for me, the, I tend to refer to what I do. The research that I do is the the, the creek bed method of research. And uh, and what that is, is, is that I, I read a great deal, like, you know, and a lot of research material before I start a book, but I don't take a whole lot of notes like that, because what I figure is, is like what I remember is what needs to go in that book. Yeah. <laughs> so when I'm looking through that creek bed and I'm looking at those shiny pebbles on the surface, those are what need to be, you know, in mm -hmm. that book. It held my interest and it stayed with me. Like yeah. so that's the fun part of all of that. And then, you know, the the catalyst, of course, you know, for this particular book is the murder of the state accountant. Mm -hmm. And I was I there was a, a story that haunted me, you know, for years and years, like that, um, by an author by the name of Elmer Keith, like that, from up in Montana. And he was a big outdoorsman, um, big game hunter, outfitter, mm -hmm. cowboy, you know, all of these things like that. And he wrote a book, it was kind of autobiographical, that was called Hell I Was There. 
And uh, I remember that little story, that little snippet that he had mm -hmm. in there where these guys, you know, killed, you know, in a hunting accident, you know, purposefully killed uh, the state accountant for the state of Montana. You know, when he came back from World War One and discovered yeah. what these guys had been up to, you know, they were obviously up to no good. And so they got rid of him and he didn't mention names. He didn't get real detailed about it or anything like that. But that story haunted me. It stayed yeah. with me. And I just thought, you know, boy, that might just be the storyline that you know will will carry this particular you know novel that 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 yeah. one's the one that you got to go back and find out about. Of course, then the difficulty with that is is that you know whenever you do that kind of uh, you know retrospective you know kind of storyline where you circle back you know and the mm -hmm. characters like a cold case where they have to go back you know and discover all this information, you risk you know writing a book where the character is just doing a lot of research. Mm -hmm. And you can't really allow for that in a murder mystery or a thriller right. or something like that. It needs to be more pertinent. It needs to be more, you know, thrilling. It needs to be, you know, more uh, threatening, you know, yeah. life-threatening, <laughs> like to the character, certainly to, you know, your main character. Like, and so I thought, okay, well, what if Walt finds out certain things about this mineral fund like that, that maybe haven't come to light? Mm -hmm. And there are an awful lot of people that, you know, don't want this to come to light because we're not yeah. talking about millions with an M here. We're talking about billions with right. a B. And so the stakes are extraordinarily high. And the closer Walt gets to finding out the truth, the more dangerous the situation becomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really crazy to kind of go back and look at these things that happened like so long ago and feel like fiction, but are in fact very, very real. And then to kind of <laughs> oh, yes. get to play with that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like that, that's, you know, that's where, you know, the, the fun part of it is, of course. And then, you know, it's also fun because it stretches, you know, your own abilities like that because yeah. I'm. I'm a little bit like Walt. I'm not the most technologically advanced, you know, guy on the face of the earth. The fact that I was able to get on the Zoom call is pretty <laughs> amazing in itself. Like, yeah. um, but then, you know, Walt's that same way, like that, you know, because I'm not, I'm not all that financially knowledgeable either. Mm. Like, I mean, I, I have to be honest. You know, money has never meant that much to me, mostly because the majority of my life I never had any. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and 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 it's uh, and and so to find out, you know, about this permanent wealth fund and do, mm -hmm. do the research and make that, you know, kind of pertinent in the storyline and discover where it came from and what it's about and what it does that it's responsible for something like i don't know 30 or 40 percent of the economy of the state of wyoming yeah. and i'm sure you know arizona nevada alaska oh, yeah. most certainly like that and so it's an interesting aspect of you know the you know, the finance like that mm -hmm. but also the structuring of you know state finances like that that you know there's a little bit different you know to, to discover yeah. that stuff for what it Absolutely. is i love that so did you find it difficult to write these characters over so many books? You know, a lot of things change in their lives. They go through quite a bit. Was it hard for you to, to make every book a little different and to kind of go through that with them? Not really. I mean, for me, like that, you know, the ease is that that they were allowed to be a little bit different, that they were allowed to develop. I think a lot of times when you have a series of books, it pretty much lives or dies by the development of those characters. You know, I mean, we've all started the series is where, you know, they, they go great the first couple of books and then, you know, they start rehashing the same things. The characters aren't really growing or evolving or changing. And I think you have to have that, you know, in a book, you know, for those yeah. characters to seem real, you know, all of us are not like the way we were, you know, 20 years ago. Right. Like, and so those characters also have to evolve too. And there's a major evolution in one of the relationships mm -hmm. than uh, in this particular book. I don't want to give away too many you know, details about it, but there's a major change like that, that happens like that, that's yeah. been kind of anticipated, but you know, was it ever going to happen? Was it ever really going to happen? And finally, when it does like that, you know, that's the thing like that is to allow those characters to evolve and change and grow just yeah. the same way that, that, that people naturally do.
Yeah, and I think that it's the one thing that keeps these like longer series going. I will say yours and CJ Box, I'm a huge fan of his Joe Pickett series. I feel mm-hmm. like that kind of, I don't know if it's the setting of being like out in the wilderness or what it is, but you guys do such a great job of like making sure that your characters feel genuine, but also like you said, not rehashing the same things over and they're like growing together, but also maybe growing apart and mm-hmm. kind of changing. And so, yeah, I think that definitely keeps things really interesting. So it's good to hear that you you like to do that. <laughs> well, there's that. Like, and then, you know, for me also, the other major aspect of it is I always like to make sure that the storylines are believable. Yeah, um, absolutely. The majority of the stories like that, that I deal with, like it actually come from newspaper articles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, what that does, it keeps Walt grounded, you know, in a yeah. reality. You know, I don't want to ever have Walt chasing Al-Qaeda in Crook County. I don't want to ever have Walt, you know, on a cruise ship. Right. You know, I want him dealing with the things that Western sheriffs deal with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's kind of important to me like that. And, uh, you know, for a couple of different reasons, like I don't want anybody to think, you know, throw one of my books up against the wall and say, there's no way that that would ever happen in Wyoming. That's ridiculous. Right. It's kind of important to me like that to have that going like that and uh, to keep that basis of reality, too. Yeah, I love that. So what was it like for you to see Walt on the big screen and to end up on a Netflix show? And and how much involvement did you have in in kind of creating that, if you don't mind me? Way asking? too much, way too much involvement. <laughs> I think that's what makes it amazing. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they, they, I, I talked to a lot of like, you know, other authors who had had, you know, stuff done at mm-hmm. movies and TV shows and all that kind of thing done like that. And, uh, you know, I, you know, they, they basically said, look, they're going to write you a check. Yeah. And they're going to give it to you and then you will never hear from them again. Okay. And I was like, okay, all right. I kind of understand why. I mean, you know, I'm not, that's not what I do like that. Right. I don't produce television shows. I'm not a producer or director or any of those things. So I can understand, you know, why it is that they would do that like that. And uh, that was not what our producers did. <laughs> what they did was, is they were in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. The show was being filmed in New Mexico. Like that. So yeah. they needed somebody who was going to be an expert on Wyoming, mm-hmm. somebody who was an expert on sheriffing, someone who's an expert on the Northern Cheyenne Crow tribes. Like, and so they could either go out and hire somebody, you know, that would be an, as an expert in all these different yeah. facets, or they could just keep me on the payroll. Like that. And so that's what they did. They kind of kept me on the payroll. They actually even offered to have me in the writer's room in Los Angeles, which I turned wow. down yeah. because, you know, I live in Ucross, Wyoming for a reason. I kind of like Ucross. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I didn't really want to be that hands-on like that, mm-hmm. but yeah, they, you know, I, I, you know, gave them the newspaper articles for, it was interesting because I gave them the newspaper articles for a lot of books that I hadn't written yet. Okay. And so they, you know, used a lot of those like to develop, you know, different episodes on the television mm-hmm. show. And I had to laugh like that because now I'm actually getting to some of those storylines and people have written me and go, well, you just got that idea from that episode on your television show. Like, and I'm like <laughs> no, like, where do you got think- that idea from my notes. Like, That's right. Research information. Look, yeah. I'm just a little bit further back on the curve as far yeah. as like, you know, one book like a game year, of thrones situation bit, right yeah yeah it makes it a little bit more difficult to do but, uh, yeah but yeah no they uh they were fantastic to work with like that we had a spectacular time um you know it ran for i think six seasons like mm-hmm. at three seasons on a and e we were the highest rated scripted drama they ever had then we switched over and went to netflix like it and uh here we are you know six years after ceasing production yeah and the show is still one of the top 10 to 20 shows on netflix every yeah. other week and so yeah. i think you know probably what warner brothers and certainly what netflix thought was is okay you know we got this little cowboy and indian show and it'll ride off into the sunset and that'll be the end of it. Like mm-hmm. that. Well, that was six years ago and we're still yeah. hammering away. Like that. And so it'll be interesting to see what it is that Warner brothers decides to do um, whenever this contract, you know, with Netflix, you know, goes, it's uh, it's merry way. We'll see okay. what happens. 
Yeah, that would be great. That would be amazing. I think there's like a revival. Like I know for on the romance reader side, there's a huge cowboy, you know, romance era happening right now. And then also I like to think in the general consumption side, Yellowstone and, and you know, all of these other movies and, and TV shows that have come out are so popular. And I don't think people expect that. But I think like you're saying, a lot of people live in the cities and don't ever get to experience this. And they just love like having that kind of connection and getting to watch that. Well, I think that has something to do with it too, but I think it's also a question of like we were the like the first contemporary yeah. western to come out like that, and that kind of had a, yep. a big effect. I mean, there are an awful lot of them out now, but when we came out, there really weren't like that. Yeah. We were pretty much it. We're the only game in town, and I think that that's the biggest trick is is that you know the western you know and mystery you know mm-hmm. any genre that survives like that generally has to have an ability to uh, transmogrify to change mm-hmm. evolve and do something different like that and you know whenever i'm you know standing there in front of the western writers of america and looking out at the audience and telling them please don't rewrite louis lamore and zane gray louis lamore and zane gray were really good at writing louis lamore and zane gray yeah. try and write something different like that and so whenever i was thinking about the books i happened to think to myself i thought you know what the contemporary american west is a pretty amazing place mm-hmm. with a lot of incredible things going on like that. and so why not make it a contemporary western like that mm-hmm. and uh, it, it appears that things worked out pretty well. Yeah, it's very, very unique, I think, as a concept. You know, when you started the series, it was, like you said, it was so unique. And I think that's why it kind of transcends as well and, like, has stayed so popular because you were, like, you know, a trendsetter. And, and it's really cool to read about that. And I think, like, for me, I, you know, grew up in agriculture. I grew up riding horses, obviously. I worked as a wrangler and stuff like that. And it's cool to, to read those books because I'm like, I feel like this is what I wish my life was like. <laughs> and, and like a little bit of also what I was like in college and, and like got to experience in college. So it's always fun to kind of go back and like reminisce. But I think a lot of people relate to it because they're like, I didn't even realize this was still a thing, right? Oh, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh, yes. Like, I mean, that, that's it's it's been interesting too, like that because, you know, the, the, the television show has been extraordinarily successful here in the U.S. like that, mm-hmm. but the overseas like at the books have been extraordinarily successful yeah I mean, the bestsellers lists you know there and and i think that um one of the interesting things is is like you know that that in foreign countries like at being removed from the culture mm-hmm. um, they have a pretty good bs meter yeah and so there's an awful <laughs> lot of westerns that are written like that or mysteries that are written that you do think to yourself there's no way that could ever possibly happen that's ridiculous right <laughs> and so i think one of the things i take a great deal of pride in is the fact that there are so many cultures and languages that are enjoying the book so much because they sense that there's a reality here yeah that there's an honesty in the way that the characters and the culture and the society are being portrayed like Definitely. in an honest manner in which i can like that, mm-hmm. uh, to me, that's kind of essential to the whole process the worst thing in the world that could possibly happen would be somebody come here and get off the plane and look around and go this is nothing at all like what's in craig johnson's books yeah <laughs> that would be horrifying to me like, <laughs> I mean, you're giving your home you know to these people your place you know your place yeah. to these people all over the world and all over the country and it only asks for a couple of different things like at the first one being truth you know mm-hmm. it, you have to be honest about the place like that you know and uh that that honesty you know that that, that, that truth and honesty like that yeah. just being fair-minded like that and uh not 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 getting carried away with the bs yeah especially in a mystery where you gotta like lead people in the wrong direction you gotta at least make the setting very very honest absolutely absolutely <laughs> like that's always that's part of the mechanics right of what it is that you do like that and uh and mm-hmm. it's always in the back of your mind it may not be forefront you know when you're yeah. writing <laughs> But you do always have to realize you have to play fair like that. Definitely. That's like you can't definitely, you know, can't come in like that in the in the, the 27th chapter and introduce a new character. And that's the killer. Right. Right. <laughs> that, 
that's <laughs> not quite fair. Okay, I don't so. believe this. <laughs> I love that. So how is the Longmire defense different from, you know, some of the more recent books in the series or the first book in the series and, and kind of throughout the entire series, I guess? Well, I guess this one, you know, I mean, we've been alluding to this relationship between Walt and his grandfather like that. And so for me, what's always fun is to circle around, you know, and find something in that universe or in that mythos of, you know, 18 books like that, that you're going to go back and take and mm-hmm. allow that to be, you know, the the catalyst, you know, for the new book. Okay, And so, um, you know, it's kind of like being a card dealer, you know, in many ways, like it certainly, you know, the more books that you have where you you decide which cards it is you're going to deal out, you know, to uh, the reader and at what rate you're going to give them up. Like, I don't want everybody to know everything there is to know about Walt Longmire in the first 19 books. Right. I'm hoping there will still be parts of Walt Longmire that's still a little bit of a mystery even after 40 or 50 books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's part of the challenge like that. But then again, you also have to play fair like that and, uh, you know, have it be a workable mystery like that. And uh, with this one, it's one of those ones where it's a cold case situation, but it has very real world implications um, that put Walt into some really dangerous situations like that. But uh, yeah, to learn that much more about your protagonist, you know, in one singular volume, um, we've had a lot of different excerpts, you know, from Walt's life, but never mm-hmm. from his childhood, not a lot from his childhood. And so this comes across as, you know, kind of interesting because we're learning about how Walt learned. Yeah. Um, the one common ground that he and his grandfather had was that that chessboard. You know, they were like two bulls in the same paddock, too much alike, and they could not get along. Right. And uh, the only place that they could find, you know, even ground, you know, was on that chessboard where, of course, you know, Walt's grandfather was trying to teach his grandson how to think, mm-hmm. you know, how to, you know, look, you know, not only one, two, three, four, you know, but a myriad of moves ahead mm-hmm. and kind of see what people are going to do and why they're going to do it like that, which led, of course, to Walt being who it is that he is, the sheriff of Absaroka County. And, you know, probably I would say like that one of the world class detectives, you know, he just happens to live in the least populated county in the least populated state. So right. he doesn't get the, the the street cred that maybe a Sherlock Holmes like that yeah. or a Hercule Poirot <laughs> does like it. So, yeah. I love that. That's great. It's really cool to kind of see him change too. And then for you to bring it all the way back to when he was really young and sort of throw those elements in there. Cause you think, you know, like you said, you think, you know, everything about him and turns out, you know, very, very little. <laughs> it is. It's fun. Like, it's also fun to go back and see, you know, who were the instrumental people, you know, mm-hmm. in Walt's development. Like, it. I mean, there's not only his grandfather, but there's, you know, Ruth one heart, like that there's yeah. you know, Ella, her mother, like that there are all of these characters that we didn't even know existed like mm-hmm. until you know, they suddenly start, these ghosts start coming back, you know, and they, uh, they, they recirculate into Walt's life again. Like that, right. it's interesting to see what kind of an effect they have on him after all of this time period. Yeah, definitely. So I have one last question for you is what is it, any advice you have for aspiring authors? What's the advice I have for aspiring authors? Like kind a of a loaded lot. question. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I mean, you know, the story I always tell is, is that, you know, I wrote the first two chapters of the cold dish and then put them in a, in a drawer for 10 years before I pulled them back out and finally finished the cold dish. The only way that a novel dies, the only way that your writing career dies Mm -hmm. is when you put it in a drawer somewhere like that and don't write. You got to be in the room, you got to sit on the chair and you got to write. That's what writers do. Yeah. That's really good advice. I love that. I ask 
I ask that every time and everybody gives different advice and it's always crazy to see and hear like everyone's different experiences and you know how they take things but I think that's really good advice you know it's like you just have to kind of get out there and do it and even if you think it's bad as long as you have something you're a writer you know you gotta gotta be better than you were yesterday like the only it, 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 just about anything you do in life you get better at by doing it except for drywall yeah. you're lousy at drywall just hire somebody to do it because let that go <laughs> Are you speaking from personal experience? I am. I yeah. am. <laughs> That's awesome. So, and then one like vaguely last question, but um, where can everybody find you on the, you know, bookish interwebs online um, and information about your tour coming up? It's very easy. Like I've got a website, uh, craigallenjohnson.com, C-R-A-I-G-A-L-L-E-N-J-O-H-N-S-O-N.com. Like, and then I'm on all the social media stuff too. Like it, so I'm like cockroaches, I'm everywhere. But yeah, we got a big... <laughs> 26 city tour coming up. Like I said, yes. be sure to check the tour of duty because I may be at a bookstore or a library near you. <laughs> Are you excited about going on a new tour? I am. I am. I'm still having a good time. Like, yeah. and then also like at, at a period in time, like at when, you know, a awful lot of the publishers have kind of decided to just do zoom calls or mm -hmm. not send authors out on the road or anything like that. Viking penguin has been extraordinarily um, supportive. Like, and they, they like put me out on the road and I like being out on the road. Yeah. I bet it was a big change from COVID and not being able to go out and see people. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm very happy that, that tours are back up and running because it's uh it's been a very long time since I've been to one and I'm like, I'm having a great time going. I actually went to one last night. <laughs> I'm like, if there is another in town, I will be there. <laughs> I will see you in Scottsdale. Yes. I'm very excited. So perfect. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. I had such a great time and it was nice to oh, meet pleasure. you. What a wonderful connection. My gosh. You're yeah. I'm talking about for goodness sake. Very, very small world. <laughs> Bye. Bye, have a good day. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you aren't following us, go ahead and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you guys again for all of your support. Have a great day.